Father in heaven, exalted, almighty, sovereign, and yet close, a prayer-hearing God. We pray now to you. We, we come into your presence to address you, Lord, only by grace and only in the name of our Savior Jesus. We, we, we come boldly and humbly. We come needy to you, the fountain of all that we need and more. We come to your word, Lord, and we come excited. We come knowing that your spirit communicates through your living word as we apply ourselves in study. And so, Father, speak now, we pray. I pray that my words, as I proclaim your truth, would cause these words through the power of your spirit to land and live in these people. This will only happen by your hand. And so we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll begin in uh, 22, verse 22 and 23a. I call this weariness and water. Weariness and water. One day, he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Well, I mean, you read that, and it seems like kind of a normal day. This is just a, another day of ministry. Jesus' 12 disciples are with him, and they decide, well, let, let's, let's cross the lake. Jesus said, let's go across the other side. Luke doesn't give us a lot of the context or even really the timeline of the events of that day, but Ma uh, both Matthew and Mark give us a little bit more of a window into this. What we find here is that Jesus is exhausted from ministry. He has been teaching all day long. In fact, he is worn out and, and weary. And we see this by the fact that he uh, comes up with this decision to cross the lake. I think in part, this is one of his desires. I gotta, I gotta get a break. I need to get away from the multitudes. And one way to do that is to get on a boat and row, you know, set sail. And, and as they do that, he crawls down in the boat on a cushion, and he falls fast asleep. We have to be reminded regularly of the humanity of Christ. Jesus Christ was the bringing together of divinity and humanity. And we see this regularly, and we, we need to note it when we see it. He got tired. He was exhausted. The ministry can be tiring. Jesus has been healing and teaching, and the multitudes, they just keep coming and coming. In fact, I think Mark here, let me read from Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening had come. Okay, so now we know a bit of, of the, the time of day that we have. It's evening. He said to them, let us, uh, let us go across to the other side. Probably after dinner. This is taking place. So evening, the sun is setting, the shadows are long, and the crowd is still there. Jesus is exhausted from working all day and teaching, and they get into the boat just as he was, uh, and other boats were with him. This is the part where you're just like, come on, really? Right, so, I mean, the multitudes are like, hey, he's in a boat. Who, who else has a boat? Get in that boat. Let's go. And so at least a handful of other boats, in addition to the 13 in the boat that Jesus was in, Jesus and the 12, they set sail across the Sea of Galilee at the evening time. And so 
That's a bit of our context for us here, the setting that this takes place. I've showed you this before, but I just want to refresh your memory. Maybe some folks are new. This is a boat that they located at a low point uh, of water in the Sea of Galilee during a drought. Um, They uncovered this uh, old fishing vessel that was buried in the mud and preserved for 2,000 years. So this dates back to the time of Jesus, and it is a very normal, common fishing boat that they were able to um, pull out of the mud and preserve Uh, It's on display there at the Sea of Galilee when we were there. From this, they were able to put a a really great model together of what a normal fishing vessel would have looked like on the Sea of Galilee in this day. And I want to point a couple things out. Um, This is the stern back here, the back of the boat, and this platform would have allowed the fishermen to do their work. Many times they would be dumping the fish into the middle of the boat to keep them low, a low center of gravity as the sail is above. And they would be pulling the nets in over these areas right in here. But, but this area here and this is covered. And what we find as we look in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus had a cushion. He had a cushion. It says he was, he was asleep on a cushion. And he had crawled up under this platform somewhere down in here. And that's where he was sleeping. So uh, it's, it's likely that a boat just like this was was the boat that they used. Now, if you put 13 men in a boat of that size, you have a full load. That's, that's a significant amount of, of weight and uh, a full boat. So they set across the lake, and it's just, you know, a normal, peaceful evening boat ride. Isn't that what we're signing up for here? It's not uncommon for the fishermen, especially among the 12. This is when they would fish. They would fish at night. Uh, this was the, 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 the normal fishing practice. So they had been on this lake countless times in the evening heading out to catch their fish. And they would come in in the morning, um, hopefully with, with a full boatload. Now the sudden storm, verse 23b. Let's see how this unfolds. And a windstorm came down on the lake. They were filling with water and were in danger. Give you a little geography here about the Sea of Galilee. Um, this is the Sea of Galilee up here at the top, flows down the Jordan River, down to the Dead Sea. Both of these lakes are unbelievably low. In fact, they're the two lowest lakes on earth. The Sea of Galilee is the single most uh, low freshwater lake in the world. There's no other freshwater lake that low. And that's significant because it has an impact on weather patterns. What happens is it's quite normal for the wind to blow from a westerly orientation coming in from the Mediterranean Sea and blowing this way. But if you get an easterly wind, especially in the evening, when all that cold air comes down out of the heights and it meets all that warm air in the lowlands, especially that low, it is a convergence zone like you've never imagined. A sudden storm coming not from the west like this wind was, but dropping out of the east and just stirring up and circling in this low point as it just descends upon them suddenly. It was a storm of storms. The fishermen began to fear. Now, if you're the tax collector, if you're Matthew and you're on a boat, first of all, you're a little out of your element. Jesus especially was out of his element. He's a carpenter from Nazareth. There's no lakes over there, okay? He's sleeping, but Matthew, the tax collector, you're taking your cues from the fishermen at this point. 
If you see the fishermen with fear in their eyes, then you get really afraid. It would be like the uh, deadliest catch guys who, who tackle these huge storms freaking out. At that point, you know you're in serious danger. This was a storm unlike any they had ever seen. Now think, darkness, okay? This is not happening in daylight. This is taking place in, in uh, dusk or dark. The rain begins to fall. The sounds of the sail flapping in the wind. They're trying to pull that thing down, get it tied off. And you're trying to communicate, you know, Matthew the tax collector to the fishermen, what should I do? Stay out of our way, right? Just, you will be okay. And, and then, we're not going to be okay. We're freaking out. The sounds, the sights, you've got to just kind of try to put yourself in this experience. The waves begin to come up into the boat. What should I do now? Get the water, bail it out. With what? I don't have a five-gallon bucket, right? Where are the life jackets? Oh, wait, we don't have those either, right? I mean, think of all the things we take for granted. Who should I call? Nope. Where's the GPS? Nope. It's dark. You're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You're in a boat that's taking on water. And all you can hear is wind and storm. All you can see is waves and rain. Fear and panic take over. It didn't take long. This thing stirred up in an instant. The waves got huge. Now look at what happens. They, they went and, and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. They rouse him from his sleep. All is lost, Jesus. We're all going down. We're going to die. This is the end. This is it. I guess this is how it goes. So much for the kingdom. So much for all the people you raised from the dead, because here we go. We're perishing. You see the word there? We are perishing. This is panic, fear. Don't you understand what's happening, Jesus? Don't you see what we're going through here? It, if you knew what was happening here, wouldn't you show up? Wouldn't you come out? Wouldn't you do something about this? Why are you sleeping? Have you ever been in a situation and had the inclination of your heart go to this place? Where are you, Lord? Where did you go? Do you know what has happened? Because if you did, it seems like you would do something. When all we see is wind and waves, we've given way to panic and fear. There is a kind of fear that will cause us to lose sight of our Savior. A kind of fear that is not good fear. Uh, it's a kind of fear that, that leads us away from Him in the storm. Listen to what Nahum says in chapter 1. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. 
The mountains quake before Him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before Him. The world and all who dwell in it. Now, where is God in the storm? This is one of the things that can be most important when in the storm, friends. Ask that question. Where is He? If we can draw our attention and get past the panic of the moment and and say, listen, heart, ask the question. Where is he? We will find the answer. He's right in the middle of it. Hmm. We must acknowledge this. There is no storm that comes our way but by the hand of God. Job said this. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not adversity? Job chapter 2. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be his name. He is sovereign in the storm. This is no accident. This is no random event. This is not an, uh, 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 oh, whoops, didn't see that coming. God is not reactive ever, ever. He is not a reactionary God. He can employ the storm. He can employ even that which He hates to accomplish what He loves. He is not evil. He does not do evil. But my friends, He is sovereign over evil. There is no storm that comes your way but by the hand of God such that He allowed it to be what it is in your life. He permits it to come. And sometimes we can even say He is the storm to judge, to refine, to shake, to awake. God is sovereign in the storm. The Scripture gives no other category for this. Otherwise, how do you pray to a God that has no power over the storm? He just wrings his hands and and hopes like every other person in the boat, it's going to be okay. God is sovereign over every storm that has ever befallen your life. He is, in fact, the Lord of the storm. He is the Lord of the storm. Oh, if we could have Job come. Job, who went through far worse than we could ever imagine, and just come and and share about the Lord of the storm and His goodness and His mercy and His faithfulness and His wisdom in all that He does. He is good, just like Glenn said. He is bringing about good. And we may not feel it in the moment. We may not even see it in this lifetime but he is accomplishing far more than we could ever imagine. He is Lord of the storm. Now, the sovereign stillness, because he is not sovereign only over the storm, he is sovereign over the stillness as well. You can see this on display. It's one of the reasons why the storm comes is because he reveals his power over it in these verses. Listen to this, verse 24b, he awoke, Jesus awoke, 
They're screaming. They're dying. They're freaking out. They're panicking. Jesus, wake up. We're perishing. Jesus awoke. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was calm. Just try to imagine this experience. Jesus is coming out of the boat. He's been fast asleep. It's dark. It's loud. It's chaos. It's wind. It's water. He trudges through the water, and he stands up. Is he panicked? Is he in the slightest worried, even concerned? No. He is the Lord of the storm. And he stands up and he says these words, Peace be still. Most literally, that means to to muzzle. He, He muzzled the wind and the waves. It's like a shh. He he didn't have to speak words, did he? He didn't have to say anything. Those words are for our benefit, for the benefit of those fishermen. They heard him say these words. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Now, do the wind and the waves hear? That's wind and waves. They don't listen. They're They're not animated living beings. They are wind and waves. And yet he is so sovereign over his creation that when he speaks these words, they obey. He speaks to the wind and to the waves. This is fascinating. You ever been in a, in a storm where the wind is blowing and blowing and all of a sudden it just stops? Well, guess what? The waves don't. If you're on a lake like this that has been so stirred up that you're about to sink and there's waves going everywhere, it takes a long time, especially on a, an inland lake where these waves are bouncing off of the shores. Uh, when we go to uh, Nana and Papa's house in Michigan, there's a lake that we like to hang out up there where they have a cottage. And until 11 a.m., you can't be on that lake with a wake. You, you have to go slow. And it's peaceful. And I sit out there with my Bible and my coffee and the birds are singing. And then at 11 o'clock, all the engines start and all hell breaks loose. The waves are going crazy. Everyone's having a blast and we join in there with them too. Those waves travel so far. He caused the waves to cease. Hmm. It goes from chaos to calm. That water, I believe, was glass. It went from total raging storm to glass quiet. Say you're, you're Peter, okay? You're kind of a leader in this. You feel responsible for these men. You're a fisherman. Maybe even this was his boat. You're giving up hope. You're perishing. Adrenaline is coursing through your veins. All you can hear is the storm and the whistle of the, of the ropes and, the, and the, the battering back and forth. And then Jesus speaks And you move from deafening storm to deafening silence. I'll tell you what you hear. It's your own heart beating in your ears. Total calm. I think one by one, these men would have taken their eyes off the wind and the waves where they used to be after they were struck by how smooth and glassy that water was. And they would have placed their eyes where they should have been all along, on Jesus, the Lord of the storm, the sovereign 
lock eyes with him. Listen to what we read in Colossians chapter 1. For by him, that's the Son, by Jesus, the Son, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. He made it all. All things were created through him, and catch this, and for him. The wind exists for who? For Jesus. It exists by his word. His creative work has made that wind. His, his, his word has made those waves. They exist for him. That's the sovereignty he employs over these things that are created. It's absolute. There's no power over him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Right now, in this moment, the atoms that make up you are held together by Christ himself. That's that's big. That's sovereign. He's in control. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, we feel like we're not, and we're right. We're not. But He is. He's in control. The storm has come to call us to Him. Focus on Him. Jesus breaks the silence now. This would have been a startling question. So quiet, it's deafening. All of these men just stunned by what Jesus has done. And Jesus then says, where is your faith? Ooh, major conviction in that moment. Where is your faith? Mark records this. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Guys, what did you think was going to happen here? You have the Son of God Himself on your boat. This is not like Jonah, right? Jonah was asleep down in the boat. God sent the storm. The sailors freaked out. What do we have? Well, we have a problem. The prophet is in sin. He's running from God. Not this prophet. Not this Savior. This is the sovereign who is in perfect communion and obedience with the Father. He's in your boat. Why are you looking all around? Look to Him. Look to Him. Now, reverence and awe sets in, rightly so. 25b. And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that He commands even winds and water? And they obey him. They were afraid. I think they began to recall some of the Psalms that they would have known well. Here's a Psalm of David. Listen to what David wrote. I think we're talking prophetic fulfillment here. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who Stills the roaring seas. 
the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are what? Fearing you. They're, that's the right response. Awe and wonder. They ask exactly the right question. Who is this? God himself. Here's another one that Ethan the Ezraite wrote in Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are? That's a good question, a, a worship-filled question, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them fulfilled. I think in this moment, the disciples begin to realize, oh, this wasn't an accident. This was a test. Class is in session. Jesus has just demonstrated something that we had no anticipation of. We know he can heal. We know he can raise the dead. We know he can cleanse lepers. We can do all these things. But now we, the disciples, have experienced firsthand a deliverance of prophetic proportions. Calls us back to Psalm 107. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deeps. What are his wondrous works? He's going to tell us. For he, who? God, commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths. Now, if you've seen Deadliest Catch, you've seen some of this, what it may have been like to experience this. Probably a lot like what they experienced on that small fishing boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Their courage melted away. The sailors, the fishermen were, were panicked. In their evil plight, they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their, their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Oh, praise God. A right response. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. This is Jesus doing this. He's, he's bringing the Psalms to life in real experience for these men. They would never forget this day. Never. Fear and faith. There is a fear that will cause you to lose sight of Christ in the midst of the storm. When all you can see is waves, when all you can feel is pain, when all you can see is loss and darkness and rain and hopelessness, that kind of fear we say no to as believers. We reject that fear. There is another kind of fear that does just the opposite. It is the fear that calls your heart to the rock, to the fortress, to the stronghold, to the safe harbor of Jesus Christ. In the midst of the storm, which fear will you choose? What fear will guide your life? The fear of God or the fear of the storm? It is in the storm that God reveals His power. His power. Now listen, I know 
the storms. I see on faces right here in this room the storms. We've gone through storms together. We could crank this mic up and have a line of people testify to the power of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God in those storms. The storms come from His hand to reveal who He is. He is over the storm. He is in the storm. And the storm points us to Him. The the, the purpose of the storm is to, to show us His goodness, to reveal to us His power, His majesty, to show us His grace. Sometimes in the storm, we are confronted face to face with our own measly, feeble, self-independent streak, right? We, we have this, I can do it. I'm strong enough. I don't need to pray. I don't want to be weak. And God says, no, you're not strong enough. Not on your own. You are weak. Let me show you what strength is. Draw upon me. Look to me. Lean upon me. Call out to me. It is in the midst of the storms that we find the promises of God so precious. Lord, we know you are faithful. We know you are faithful. We look to you now, right? Come, help us. We need you. What an honoring thing it is to cry out to the Lord in the midst of the storm. Response this morning. Just want to give you a, uh, an encouragement. You keep him, Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed or locked on you because he trusts in you. Huh. Perfect peace. There is a way to be in the eye of a hurricane and at peace. The storm winds don't always stop. The waves don't always turn glass-like. But there is a rock, a fortress, a peace that you can know in the midst of the storm. His name is Jesus. We have a safe harbor in Him. We can flee to Him. We can cling to Him. The storm is intended to push you to that place. Sovereign Grace Music wrote, Uh, a song years ago that I love and I think of this often when I think of the storms of life. Here's a, a few of the lyrics. I have a shelter in the storm when troubles pour upon me. Though fears are rising like a flood, my soul can rest securely. Oh Jesus, I will hide in you my place of peace and solace. No trial is deeper than your love comforts all my sorrows. You feel that? Are you there with that today? What storm are you going through? What storm have you just come out of? What storm are you heading into? Have you found your safe harbor in the shelter of Jesus Christ? When you consider your sins, listen to these words, I have a shelter in the storm when all my sins accuse me. Though justice charges me with guilt, 
your grace will not refuse me. Oh, Jesus, I will hide in you there too, who bore my condemnation. I find my refuge in your wounds, for there I find salvation. I have a shelter in the storm when constant winds would break me. Some of you are here today, and I know I, I know you, I know your journey. Some of these winds have been constant. Some of this pain has been every morning. Some of the, the journey that you go through is a daily battle against a storm. You have a shelter, friends. For in my weakness I have learned your strength will not forsake me. Oh, the testimonies we could hear this morning. Oh, Jesus, I will hide in you the one who bears my burdens with faithful hands that cannot fail. You bring me home to heaven. That is our future in Jesus Christ. And so we can join with the Apostle Paul and say this. Come what may, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's peace. Surpassing peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the window into your workings in this event, this storm on the Sea of Galilee. We give praise to you for your sovereign hand over all things. There are no rogue atoms in your universe. There's no molecule of dust that blows in this room, but by your hand. No pine needle that falls in our Washington forest that is not guided to rest exactly where you ordain it to land. You are sovereign over all. Father, thank you for how this meets us in the storm, for the comfort that it is. Lord, pour the concrete of our lives on these truths so that when the storm winds blow, we have an anchor, we have roots, we have strength, we have a place to look. We thank you that all of this finds its expression, its focal point in Jesus, our Savior and Lord. He is the focus of our faith. We thank you that he's in the boat with us. And that when we look to him, we cannot fail. Teach us, O Lord, to do so, to fix our eyes on you and know your perfect peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.